Amen. All right, we're going to get ready to go to the Word of the Lord today. I'm going to the book of Genesis today. This week, keep in mind, there's several things that are happening this week. Uh, Wednesday night church at 7 o'clock. Okay, Wednesday night church at 7 o'clock. Tuesday night is life class. Amber, I put a good word in for you for life class. I need you here for one hour. If unless, unless you're working or dead, can you be here? Okay. All right. If I'm dead, I may be laying here already. No, probably won't be that. They'll they'll hold me a couple of days in the cooler. All right. So I won't be here till probably Wednesday. But if you can be here tomorrow night uh, with what I'm going to preach today, I would love for you. I really need you to help us pray. The church is under attack. Okay, the church is under attack. This church is under attack. Okay, I've been in, um, I've been counseling with and talking with pastors and and men that I consider in my life to be um, spiritual mentors and advisors to me. And uh, my family's under attack. This church is under attack. We got situations coming up. I know. The Trouts have a situation coming up that's going to be hard. The Pates are in a hard situation right now. You know, we're a lot of us struggling. Amen. A lot of us are fighting. Anybody in here fighting? Ginger's fighting. Amen. We're all fighting. We're all fighting something. So, it, 7 to 8 o'clock tomorrow night, if you can be here, make every effort. You know, I don't do this all the time. And... Just please be here. If you can. Genesis chapter 32. We're going to verse 3. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. This is the story of Jacob and Esau. And I want to give you a little background here before I get to, to what I want to talk to you about today. And that is, then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. He told them, give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now I have been living with Uncle Laban. Now the last time Jacob and Esau saw each other was when Esau was starving and he was hungry. He came in from a hunt and he was very hungry and the hunt had not been successful And so Esau was wanting some of Jacob's soup, porridge. Apparently, Jacob must have been quite the culinary expert. The only problem was that Esau was dealing with a man whose name was Heel Grabber. You see, these were twin boys. They were shared the same womb. They developed together in the secrets of darkness. In the cover of darkness and eternal intimacy, these boys grew their physical bodies and developed. Esau was born first. But as Esau came out of the womb, the Bible says that the younger brother reached out and grabbed his heel. 
Esau was born first. When Jacob arrived, his mother and father, Isaac and Rebekah, named him Jacob, meaning heel grabber, schemer, conniver. You know, that's one of the most popular names in our society today is Jacob. And I don't know if everybody realizes what it means or not, but thats I'm just telling you what it means. And so, the last time they saw each other, Jacob had just schemed out of Esau the birthright and the blessing of the firstborn because the blessing always went to the firstborn male. The inheritance, the lineage of the family went to the firstborn male. And Jacob has just cheated his brother out of it And years later now, Jacob has heard that Esau is in the area and he knows that a meeting is coming up and he knows that there's going to be possibly a confrontation. And so he sends a message to Master Esau that says, your servant Jacob is in the area as well. Because he doesn't know if Esau's mad, glad, angry, or sad. All he knows is that he is kind of scared. He's in a little situation here. And now he said, I've been with Uncle Laban, and he said, I own cattle and donkeys and flocks of sheep and goats. I have many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. You see, there's sometimes in life that a situation that you've never dealt with eventually is going to have to be dealt with. Oh, I don't know if you heard me or not on that one. Sometimes in life, there's a situation from the past that you're going to have to deal with in the future. And eventually the future becomes the present. And here we are. Here we are facing our Esau. Facing the time when we actually possibly did wrong. We all have the potential to do wrong, all of us. All of us have the potential to do wrong. All of us have the potential to make mistakes. All of us have the potential to do something stupid and silly. All of us have said those words, and as they're coming out of your mouth, you're seeing the response of the people that you're saying it to, and right in the middle of it, your filters are saying you should not have even opened your mouth. I don't know if anybody else has ever seen that look in your life, but I have. And I'm thinking, oh man, if I could just disappear right now. And so the past from Jacob is now coming and catching up to him. After delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, we met your brother Esau and he is already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Now you're going to have to have a big stockpot if you're going to feed and try to befriend 400 men who are marching in military formation. Oh, Esau knows, and he's on his way, and he's got 400 men. So now we're going to go, and let's see what Jacob does. He's terrified at the news. He divided his household among the with the flocks and the herds and camels. He put them in two groups. Why did he do that? What's that? He thought, if Esau meets one group and attacks it, 
perhaps the other group can escape. Let me tell you something. All of us are facing some type of confrontation in our lives. And the thing is this, if in our lives we don't allow the Lord to work in our lives and surrender our will and our way to the Lord, it's not going to come out right in the first place. It's not going to come out right in the first place if we allow ourselves to get in front of what the Lord is trying to do in our lives. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm talking to somebody that you need to get your hands off of the situation. You need to let go and let God. I found in, in, in walking with the Lord that if I just let go and let God, God takes care of a lot more than I can ever take care of. I found out that if I, if I stir more in a situation, I cause more damage than I do good. You may never and you may not ever have the opportunity to make your your side known. You may never get your chance of your day in front of the, the jurors and the peers of your age and time to make your side known when your side could have been right. That reminds me of the Lord when the Lord said that the Bible says that as a sheep was was dumb before the shearers, so he opened not his mouth. They brought accusation after accusation after accusation to the Lord and to the time when he was on trial and the crucifixion that was coming up, but he never went to defend himself. Sometimes the more you defend yourself, you might tell more of your guilt than of your innocence. Sometimes when we defend ourselves, we, t- we tell more about how we really probably deserved what came along or justified the reaction toward us than if we would have just kept our mouth shut and let God in time handle the situation. Are you saying I should never defend myself? No, no, pastor's not saying that at all. But I'm telling you that there are times when you're just going to have to face some things. And you can't say, well, this is what happened. And, and, you, and listen, we can't always be the victim. You can't always be the victim in all of this. There are people who like to always be the victim. They like to be the victim. This, You know what? The reason that addiction is so strong is because addiction is a security blanket to an all-time and always victim. You see why I use drugs? This is why I use drugs. You see why I drink? This is why I drink. You see why I do this? This is because of this. Never taking responsibility for our own actions. Jacob is taking responsibility for his own actions here, and now he's starting to manage and say, oh, well, okay, if he's coming with 400 men, I'm dividing up everything, and I'm sending them two by two groups here, and a group here, and a group here, and in case he attacks, he can't attack all of us at the same time. And so Jacob is trying to develop a plan. When you see God is putting this all together in the first place. You know, the Bible says the steps of a good man are what? They are ordered of the Lord. I heard a teacher, uh, I call him a famous teacher in my life. Ginger knows him. I've talked about him before. His name was Billy Cole. And he said, 95% of the time, you waking up and living everyday life, you are in the will of God. 
We like to spiritualize the will of God. Oh, if I can just find the will of God. I'll never forget years ago before we started this church, before we started the church in, in St. Louis, before we did any of that, I was actually preaching on the East Coast for a college buddy of mine. And I was talking and I said, I'm just trying to find the will of God. I just want to know what God wants me to do. I don't know whether to go to St. Louis and start this or do that or do this. And he looked at me and said, it's not his will that any should perish, but all that all should come to eternal life. He said, are there lost people in St. Louis? I said, yes. He said, it's the Lord's will that they shouldn't perish. Somebody has to reach him. Is there lost people in Vandalia? Yes. Well, then it's the Lord's will that they shouldn't perish. Somebody has to reach him. So today I say, are there lost souls in Honolulu? Yes. Yes. We're getting that. See, Ginger hit on, Ginger hit on King Uzziah there in, in, in Isaiah chapter six. And what did Isaiah say in six? Lord, send me. You know, is there lost souls in Honolulu? Yes. Send me, Lord. Yes. What are you saying? I'm saying that when you wake up, nine times out of ten, you're in the will of God that day. Oh, sometimes we're not seeing firebolts and we're not seeing angels and we're not seeing the miraculous happen. But you know, the lion's den was only one day. The lion's den was only one night with the kitty cats. The rest of the time, Daniel was in his in his house Three times a day, morning, noon, and night, with his windows open, praying toward Jerusalem. That's what got him in the lion's den in the first place, praying toward Jerusalem. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that probably all of us are walking in the will of God. When Johnny and Nikki were in Laos, they did not realize that they would end up in Vandalia, Illinois. I doubt that they ever heard of Vandalia, Illinois, and Laos. Did you ever hear that? No? No. But you see, God put their lives on a collision course with another guy and other men in Vandalia that would go to a Thai restaurant and you know the story. And we'd eat lunch and we'd pray and we'd talk to people. And here those boys are, both of them full of the Holy Ghost now. Why? Because the will of God was working in their lives. You see, God wants to work in your life. You say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 and I'm not married yet. Probably maybe the will of God. Just encouraging. Right? Pastor, I'm 25 and I don't have my degree yet and I don't know my career yet. It may be the will of God. Take every day and be thankful for what God gives you. And walk like you're in His will. Because the Bible says those steps that are ordered. Hallelujah. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Just stick in the word. Just keep trusting the Lord and the Lord will lead you. So the Lord has led this situation with Jacob around about to right here now. With Esau. Years have gone by. Esau has multiplied and accumulated 
Jacob has multiplied and accumulated. What was a big disagreement over a pot of soup and an inheritance that he was tricked out of, now there's going to be the confrontation. That's where our flesh kicks in and our fear kicks in. And we wonder what's going to happen now. So let's look at Genesis 32, 22, where it says, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants' wives, and his eleven sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. So now he is even separating them more. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. So he's breaking up the group, sending them over to the river, and now he sent all of his possessions. He's getting ready. Then left Jacob all alone. Everybody say, all alone. Oh, say it, all alone. Sometimes we like to be all alone. Other times we don't like to be all alone. There are times when all alone is good. Because that way, whatever it is that's going to come out of the situation will have your full attention. I found one thing here in the, in the American church that you don't find a lot overseas, and that is we are diverted with our attention. We are too busy. I know when I said tomorrow night, 7 to 8 o'clock, Monday night prayer, some of you, first thing you did is you went to your schedule in your mind. Can I work this in? Some of you didn't even go to the schedule. You say, I ain't coming. No way. Wasn't even hard. Wasn't even hard. I mean, I know that when I go through a drive-thru with Ginger, that the menu hadn't changed. And I'm just sitting over there on the side, and they, she says, what do you want? I tell her what I want. And then they say, is that all? And she says, no. And then for the next seven to ten minutes, five to seven minutes, um, well, and I start laughing because it's like this menu has not changed in 35 years. And usually when I pull in, I kind of know what I, I'm pretty well knowing what I want. So what am I saying? I'm saying our attention has been scattered. And you know what? It's like, I don't know if I can work prayer in. When being alone in his presence is the most important thing that we could ever do in our lives. Well, pastor, you announced it just a day ahead and I've got to schedule things. Sometimes, you know what? Crises do not come into our lives scheduled. Situations do not come into our lives announced. They just fall on our, on our, on us. The bombs of depression and the bombs of despair in our lives, they just get dropped. And you know, you never even hear the plane going over. It must be stealth because you can't see it. You can't hear it. You don't know where it came from. Oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. You find yourselves in situations and you look at each other and you say, How did we get to this point? Because really, nobody knows how we got to this point. 
You don't know how you got to that point. Your attention and our attention has been so diverted and so diffused and sent everywhere else. And you wonder how in the name of God did we ever get here when suddenly we realize that the only thing we can do is not depend on ourselves to do it, but we're going to have to learn how to surrender and let God be God in our lives. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise if you would. So Jacob is separating everybody. Jacob is separating. Hey, I jumped to scripture here, I believe. Oh, he was left all alone. Okay, so he was left all alone. Sometimes you feel like you're walking all alone. Sometimes nobody else can go with you. Sometimes you have to walk alone. Sometimes you have to endure to the end. Sometimes there's nobody to call. Maybe somebody calls and you're so overwhelmed, you can't even talk. Ever been there? Anybody been there or am I just talking to myself? All right, me and Bernie. Okay. I, I guess if we keep taking a vote long enough, five hands. Can't even talk about it. Never come back. I said, Brother Gary, me and Brother Gary. He has been barking at the door for 20 minutes. He wants in. When you go over to let him in, he goes the opposite direction. And they get this hop. You seen that hop? Those dogs have hops. Oh, Lord, have mercy. How did he get out of the barn? How did we get here? How did this situation come about? That's where Jacob's at. Now he's, he's by himself in the camp. Now, he's all alone. Ain't nobody there. And the Bible says, when the man saw that he would not win. I think I, I missed the scripture here. Anyhow, a, a, huh? Yeah, I don't know where it went. Where did I, oh, Jacob's all alone in the camp. And he wrestled. He came, I missed that because I'm in, I'm in. He wrestled with a man. He wrestled with a man all night long. He wrestled with a man. Some of you have been wrestling all night long. Some of you can't sleep. Some of you can't figure out what's going on. Some of you can't find an answer. And guess what? Money's not going to do it. And education is not going to do it. And status is not going to do it. You're going to, sometimes you're going to have to just fight your way through it. You're just going to have to say, Lord, I'm in your hands. I am in your hands, Lord. And Jacob wrestled with a man all night long. Now, I want you to think about his mental situation. He knows Esau is out there. He knows there's a 400-man army out there. He does not know where they... He didn't send up his drone and get video images. He did not share his location with anybody. He's all by himself, and something comes out of the dark and gets him. It's just like our lives. You're feeling all alone and something comes out of the dark and grabs a hold of you. And then you're wondering how, what's going on? And you're wrestling, you're fighting, you're fighting for survival. This isn't a drill. This is not training. You're fighting for your life and you're trying to figure it all out. And this man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. He was not going to let go. He was not going to, he kept fighting with him. He said, he said, what is going on here? When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. 
There was a touch there. I don't know if that is the time when Jacob realized that he was dealing with something supernatural or what was going on. But as soon as that angel touched that thing, that hollow in his side, and his bones popped out of joint, Jacob knew there's something that got a hold of me that's got some power. I'm telling you this, brothers and sisters, as you're walking through your valley, as you're walking through your trial, as you're walking and carrying your cross, if you can just let the presence of the Lord get in your life, and you can allow something stronger than yourself, and if I can allow something stronger than myself to come into my situation, there's an answer that's going to come. There's an answer that's going to come. Because Jacob is now finding himself in his presence. He's finding himself in the presence of the Lord. He's finding himself in divine intervention. He's finding himself in a power bigger than him. You see, we're just mere men walking on this earth. We're just mortal men walking on this earth. And we are subject to all of the elements of this world and all of the things of this world that tackle us, that pull us down, that cause us grief, that, you know, some days the sun's shining in our lives and some days it's rainy and cold and nasty like it is right now outside. You see, not every day is a sunny day, but I'm telling you, if we allow God's presence to come into our lives, God's presence in our lives for just a moment of time will change everything about the whole situation. You've got to have his presence I've got to have his presence. I've got to have his presence more than anything else. You know what? We could do away with this building. We could do away with this property. We could do away with everything we've got. But if we can all just get in his presence, if we can just get in the presence of the Lord, if we can just go into his presence for a while. You see, that's why we do what we do around here. What do you do around here? Well, I'll tell you what, we pray. We try to make sure that we have the mind of what the gathering that's going to happen, what's going to take place. We have the music. We have the singers. What do you do that for? We're just trying to get everybody's mind brought in to this place. Because while I'm talking to some of you, somebody building a list for Walmart. And even if you don't think it, buy one. Amen, because you'll use it eventually. While I'm talking, somebody's on what's going to happen Thursday at work. you got a meeting Thursday at work, very important meeting. You see what I'm saying? Anything to divert our attention from his presence. And so you come into this house, and the presence of the Lord starts flowing. Man, I'm telling you, Wednesday night, the presence of the Lord was in this place. Amen. Johnny says, he says, I kind of like, he said, I like Sundays, but he said, Wednesdays are special. He said, the presence of the Lord is just so special on Wednesday nights. But we just come in here and get a recharge and, and, and come in the presence of the Lord. That's why this church is different. We're different than a lot of churches out there because we just want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ just like a, a bride and her husband, because that's the way it is. That's the way it is in the scriptures. It talks about the church is the bride and he is the groom. And we are walking in relationship with him. This is a lifetime thing. I don't just come visit a church. I'm coming into relationship with you, Lord. And so when we come in relationship with him, then I, we want you to feel his presence. We want you to get in his presence. That's the whole purpose for all that we do is to just get in his presence because in his presence, there is healing in his presence there is deliverance in his presence there is freedom in his presence there is all sorts of wonderful 
wonderful things. Peace of mind. See, we're not just here worshiping for the, the material things. We're worshiping for the peace of mind. I can lay down at night and sleep at peace knowing that if I go into eternity before I wake up, I'm in his presence. I can go and wake up the next day and face the day not having a whole cloud of black, dark witnesses that are trying to, and evil witnesses around me that are trying to pull me down. You see, that's what the world's trying to do. You walk through the world, and the world is trying to grab a hold of you and wrestle you and pull you down, and situations at work and situations in your family. And, you know, there's all kinds of situations that come into our lives that the enemy just tries to keep pulling us down. It's like we're trying to swim across the English Channel, and there's always something trying to pull us up under to make us drown before we can get to France. But I'm telling you that God wants you to come into his presence like you are right now and hear this word right now. And he wants you to realize that in his presence, all of those demonic barnacles have to leave. All of those demonic clutches in your life have to leave. All of the depression has to leave. All of the oppression has to leave. The disease has to leave. Amen. The situation at home can be fixed and healed because of his presence. That's why we're not like all the other churches in town. We're different. We're going to be different. And that's good. You know, if you want a routine, you go to a show. They're going to tell you the program, what the routine's going to be. This is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is going to happen. But when we come in here, we don't ever know what's going to happen. We don't ever know that before our service is over, a lady is going to be laying here in the middle of the floor during a revival in 2011 with a with a tumor on the stem of her brain where she couldn't walk most of the time. She couldn't work. She couldn't mow grass. She couldn't go outside. She couldn't do anything. I wish she was here today, but she's probably working. And that's Sister Peg. Now Sister Peg can work, she can walk, she can drive, she can do everything because God healed her in the middle of a church service in 2011. What am I saying? I'm talking about getting in His presence. I'm talking about letting His presence come into our lives. We can't do it by ourselves. That's what the Lord told you today. Somebody in there struggling with something and they're trying to do it on their own. You can't do it. You didn't know what I was going to preach, did you? You can't do it by yourself. Listen, he touched the hollow of that thigh, and that socket j- jumped out of that place. And then the man said, you've got to let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm telling you, God, God is wanting you to have some tenacity to say, Lord, I'm not going to let go of you until I get this answer. I'm not going to let go of you until I get this blessing. I'm not going to let go of you until I get what I need from you. We all have to have his presence. I can't even imagine. I've been walking in his presence for almost 40 years. I can't even imagine what it would be like to go through life without his presence. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what it would be to go through life without being able to pray to him every day. Talk to him every day. You say, well, I pray and he never answers. But listen, when you get in a relationship, it gets to the point where I pray and he answers. Boom. He'll answer. But are we giving him time to answer? Are we giving him space to answer? 
Are we giving him latitude and room to answer? Or we just say, Jesus, I need your help. We just go on with our routine and our schedule and what's in our phone, our daytime or our plan or whatever you got that keeps you going, your to-do list, and you never make time for him. That's why tomorrow night, I just want to make this church aware we need to give him one hour uninterrupted, one hour. Come on. Oh, I'm going to work all day, Pastor. This is going to, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Just one hour. Can't you be in his presence? Don't you want to be in his presence? Aren't you hungry for his presence? Aren't you hungry to see what he's going to do? And then, oh, hallelujah. He said, what is your name and he said my name's heel grabber my name is conniver my name is i'll sell elevator tickets to the observation floor in a one-story building do you know how jacob got all of his cattle you see he hooked up with the family it was actually his uncle, right? His uncle was crooked. His uncle said, I'm going to tell you what, Jacob. I'm going to let you have all the striped cows, and I'll take all of the solid-colored cows. Because he knew the solid-colored cows were birthed more than striped cows. So Jacob said, Okay. So Jacob takes a rod to the watering trough where the cows drink. And on the rod, he wraps it up with, with a thing to make it look striped. And he plants it in the ground. Then when the cattle come to drink the water, they see the striped rod. Do you know what kind of calves they start having? Striped calves. Till eventually, Laban, his uncle, was scratching his head saying, um, I don't know, understand this, but you have a lot more striped cattle than I have solid color cattle. Well, what Laban didn't realize was that Jacob was operating in the presence because the Lord said, what you've done in the transfer, what you've done in the transfer, I'm going to honor. And he said, I'm going to be with you and I'll never leave you. And as I was with, with Abraham, and with your father Isaac, I will also be with you. And when we refer to them, the patriarchs of Israel, we say what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so this man is saying, what is your name? He said, my name's Crooked. My name's Thief. My name's Conniver. My name's Heel Grabber. And the man says, well, let me tell you something. Because you have chosen to stay in my presence, no longer will you're going to be known as Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel, for you have fought with God and with men and have won. I'm getting ready to close. You have fought with God and man, and you've won. Did he actually fight with God? No. What was he saying? You've allowed yourself time in my presence. You've allowed yourself time in my presence. Ten years ago today, wasn't it? Come on up here. Come on. I'm closing with this guy right here. Ten years ago today, April 11th, 2011, I took you for a ride. Scared. 
First of all, I baptized him over on Main Street in the old church building. Brother Larry, was you there the morning I baptized him? Remember that? I baptized him in 2008. But you know what? There are people, everybody has a different gestation period. It takes a while for some people. Some, some, some fish you catch, you just barely catch by the lip, don't you? Other fish you catch, they have swallowed the hook, and it's clear at the bottom of the inside of the tail. And when you pull it out, what do you do? He he might as well throw him in the bucket. He's going home. So Kevin went through some more struggles because he was trying to do it on his own. Wound up, now don't tell me, wound up homeless. You were homeless, had nowhere to go. Ended up, somehow ended up in my office. And I said, we got three choices, Kevin. We got this choice, we got this choice, and we got this choice. And I said, that choice, I don't think it's going to work. Choice number two, I don't think that's going to work. But choice number three, if you go to this rehab place, this Holy Ghost-filled rehab center, for eight months... Eight. That's a long time. Those eight months can change the next 40 years of your life. Is that what I said? Would you like to say anything? Okay, you just say, if you want to say something. Am I doing all right? All right. Was you scared when we went? So when I got him there, got him all registered in. I got in my car and I put the pedal to the metal because I said, I got to leave before he changes his mind. And once we got, I got on the road, I'm like, well, he can't get me now. And there he was, eight months. Eight months of five and a half hours of Bible study every day. Eight months of going through devotions I found out last night we were talking that he fell asleep during somebody's devotion what happens then you're going to go if you fall asleep during devotion you're going to wash walls and baseboards and lose your snack I would have thought of the snack first. I wouldn't even cared about the baseboard and the walls. I thought about the snack. And so he went through all of that. And he found out that through the Bible studies and exposing himself to the presence of the Lord, he graduated eight months later in December. Was it December? December 11th, 2011. You took your last drink of alcohol on what day? Today. No, April 11th. So you was drinking when I was hauling you up there? That's all right. That's all right. I've had to stop and say, all right, get out, get out and hit one and get back in here. We'll go some more. 
And then I, as they're getting out, I say, and listen, I don't want any, so you don't have to share any. I don't want any. Okay. You took your last drink in April of 2011. Been through some good times. Been through some tough times. Had to go through a divorce that you didn't want. Were you tempted to drink? You were. Did you? No. You haven't had a drink since 2011. You know why? Because you've been in his presence. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's give the Lord a hand praise right now. Come on up here. I'm telling you, if you can get in his presence, my brothers and sisters, if you can just get in his presence. You see, that's one thing that I never realized when I was young. I grew up in a church. I grew up in a church, a, a Pentecostal, Holy Ghost-filled church. I've, I've saw them dance. I've saw them shout. I've saw them stomp. I've seen them throw things. I've seen them roll on the floor. I have seen it all. I have seen him walk on the back of pews speaking in tongues. But I just didn't realize that I myself had to get in his presence for myself. And you know what? Each one of us have to do the same thing. Because when I finally got in his presence on June the 16th, 1981... And I led his presence just like Jacob's. Just like Jacob. I let his presence just take control. It's changed my world forever. Forever. Nathan and Catherine are right down there. Sylvia was right over there. Johnny Ty was right there. Nikki is right there. Right there. I remember when Caitlin came to my wife crying. She saw the revelation of Jesus' name baptism. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying each of us have to get in his presence for ourselves. If you get in his presence, there's going to be all kinds of answers. If you get in his presence, there's going to be all kinds of solutions. If you get in his presence, there's going to be all kinds of ways made. Amen. There's going to be all kinds of things happen and all kinds of good things come into your life if you just get in his presence. So I'm inviting you today. Does anybody need in his presence? Come on. If you need his presence, come on up here real fast. Amen. Come on real fast if you need something. Man, if you need something, come on. I don't know. If you need something, come get it. What you need from the Lord. Come up here real close. Come on up here close. Close, close, close. Yeah, come on. Come on, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Being Needing to be in his presence is not a sign of weakness. Being in his presence is a sign of wisdom. Because you know that my help comes from the Lord. Amen? My help comes from the Lord. Some men trust in horses, some in chariots. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen. I want you to close your eyes right now. We're going to sing this song. We're getting ready to go in His presence. Oh.
His presence, in His presence. Now, just lift your hands to Him right now. As you've got your eyes closed, you listen to the song, but just lift your hands to Him right now and tell Him what you need. Lord, I need Your presence in my life. I need Your presence, God, in every day of my life, every area, every walk, every step, everything. I need Your presence. I need it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! 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 Troubles vanish, troubles vanish. The hearts are mended. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in the presence. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, each one of us would find a place for your presence in our lives. Each one of us would find a place for your presence in our daily lives. Whether, God, it be a prayer closet, whether it be, Lord, the back deck early in the morning, whether it be a dark, lonely room in the middle of the night, whatever it is, Lord, Wherever we can find, according to our personality and temperament, where we can each find your presence. Maybe some of us have to go to the park or out by the lake. Just park our car and just let your presence, God, come in. In the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, Lord, let your presence come in. In Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord. Yeah. 